Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Insert Coins. It is July 30th. This is Mike Englehart with you as always. If you are new here, we're a podcast dedicated to the world of video games from the perspective of somebody who still works in the industry, being me. So thank you very much for joining us. If you're also new, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast channel so you get updates and notifications whenever the latest episode of Insert Coins comes out. If you're a returning listener, thanks so much for coming back to the show. I appreciate having everybody here as we come to a close today, episode 10 of season one. We're going to do a show based on some of the emails I got last week between the differences between working for a developer and working for a publisher. And then in the second half of the show today, we're going to talk about more specifically the time I've spent working at a work for hire developer, which was a big portion of my career, and then some small stints working for publishers. Well, one small, one big, uh, small one working for EA for just uh, seven months, and then a big one, obviously, still working at uh, Hothead Games, where I work today. And just some of the ins and outs of how that stuff goes. I'm excited to say as well that we'll have the second guest in Insert Coins history coming to the show soon. Someone that I spent a lot of time working with at Hothead Games, one of the founders of the company, uh, Joel DeYoung, is going to join us on an upcoming episode in season two. And we're going to talk about um, some of our experiences we had together in launching a games as a service and server meltdowns, learning from your mistakes, and some of the experiences we had actually on a game called Big One Soccer on uh mobile which still actually is running today and the hardships we went on there actually the hardships of sometimes finding success too soon and not being ready for it so that's going to be on an upcoming show i have connected with him and uh, i look forward to welcoming joel to the show in the near future Um, probably try to kick that off for season two if i can so the differences between working for a developer and working for a publisher um they're quite stark and so most of my career i've spent working for work for hired developers i started working for a company called radical entertainment way back in the day they were a uh, work for hire company that was around for a long time before they were uh, acquired i was only there for two years i then went to next level games where i worked for about nine years also a work for hire studio and then i bounced over to ea for a very short stint of seven months went back to next level to kind of finish off my last year and then came over to hothead games and hothead games has been a you, know, you call yourself developer publisher but really publisher with development capabilities and that's been almost a decade so i've had almost half and half actually if i take a step back and think about it some in mobile some in console and Uh, doing half my time in development and half my time in uh, publishing or development publishing, if you want to call it that. So what are the main differences? So let's start with development. Development, the big thing that you mainly focus on is making the product. You, in the work for hire world in console, the time I spent in console, on the business side, you spend a lot of time trying to find contracts and That's really the way that you drive your business model. It's about finding contracts, signing contracts with royalty upside. If your game that you've provided to the publisher is going to sell a lot of copies, you want to get a little bit of kickback on the back end. So that's a big portion of how the business model works. And depending on how many teams you have at the studio, your overall headcount, things of that nature, you need a certain number of contracts for things to work. From the day-to-day work standpoint, then the job of the development team is really about making a game that's going to do right by the publisher. 
a game that's going to bring this product to life and um, give them some success at the end of the day. I should backtrack a little bit. You do a lot of different things when you're vying for contracts, at least back in the, the time that I've been doing it. And I've been working mainly for a, a publisher for the past 10 years. So some stuff may have changed, but I'm assuming some of it would be different. You typically are bidding against other developers that are out there. So the cost of your company, what you need to, to actually get paid uh, to, to make a profit and make a game is important. You typically will also create pitch documents. So that could be PowerPoint presentations. It could be early game design documents, maybe storyboards. In some cases, you're gonna create some types of tech demos or prototypes to show. So, you know, some of the experiences working at Radical, Radical had a, um, a physics engine that was used. Um, it was actually used when the company got the first uh, Simpsons Road Rage game and, and the team that worked on that combined a, well, they did a bunch of things actually to get the contract. And it depends on what you do. Like in that case, when Radical was trying to get the contract from Fox, we'd never done a driving game. And so, we said, well, let us make a driving, small driving engine for you and let us let us sort of blow your socks off. So using what we had as a technology base, the team created a, a really cool, well stood up driving simulation. Awesome concerning the company never made a driving game before. And then we also had this little sort of simulated movie of showing the Simpsons world and kind of what it would look like in game and Homer ends up driving his car into a dumpster at the end and all the garbage goes flying out of the dumpster. Um, and Simpsons Road Rage, if you guys hadn't played it, was basically Simpsons meet Crazy Taxi. And so in that case, the package we delivered was much more in-depth because we kind of needed to prove that we could do this. We were previously a sports studio and needed to prove that we could do that. So some require that type of prototype. Again, I, I've mentioned it on previous episodes with the Nintendo memories that I was discussing with Nintendo in both Punch-Out and the Super Mario Strikers series. We had to create really full-fledged gameplay prototypes to prove that we could make these games. And that was their requirement to get those things off, off the ground. In some cases, it may go through different stages. Again, you may make the game design document, you may make a pitch document, you could have a presentation, you could do concept art. It depends on the publisher and it depends on the nature of what you're trying to do. So there's some type of aspect to that just to get going and get the contract. Then once you have the contract, in order to get paid, you have to hit milestones. And milestones working with the publisher have expected features to be delivered at a certain time. Of course, the quality of the game has to be there so that the publisher can see their game coming to life. And again, tracking from the negotiations of the contract, well, if you have 18 months to get it done, you work on a milestone plan with the publisher and you're delivering some type of progressive build every so often. And if it hits the marks and if the publisher approves the build, you get paid. But from a development standpoint, you pro you're focusing on just making the best game you can make. And you're not really bothered by much else. You might get pulled into doing development interviews with magazines, uh, you know, websites. These days, I'm sure it's YouTube channels, a lot of different things that are out there. But the main focus is making the game. And on the publisher side, though, it's quite different. If you have internal development abilities, there is going to be a focus on making the game, but there's a lot of other stuff that comes into play. And now you're talking about understanding the market more. So there's things such as uh, user studies, focus, focus studies, understanding what players want to play, understanding the players who play your game, 
marketing is a huge aspect of my time at EA, you know, how we position the game. Uh, I worked on uh, FIFA Wii uh, 2010 and a ton of time working with marketing, how we want our trailer to look, what we want uh, to show, to promote. And EA, of course, is a year-on-year company, so there's a, a predictable nature to their cycle. But, you know, what we're going to put on early on at EA, we, we had a concept for the game we wanted to make, and that had to align with the focus study that had been done. And luckily, it was a, a really good match. And so you go away and you make that. The idea being you get the market data, and then you, know, you have to make the product that the market has told you it's wanted to try to increase your sales, increase your Metacritic, get a higher rated game so more people want to play it. So there's still that development side, but you really need to understand where you're going and what you're doing. Because when you're publishing a game, ultimately you're responsible for generating the revenue to continue driving your company forward. I think that's the, the main difference between the publishing side and the development side is as a publishing uh, as a publisher, you're a self-sufficient company in that standpoint. You need to generate what you're making. You're also control the destiny of what you do make, which is one of the best parts of working at the company I'm working at now. At Hothead, being you know an, an independent publisher developer, we decide what games we make, and we still do a lot of the things that that I did at EA in terms of trying to come up, figure out what the market wants, so that mitigates risk. No sense going away and making something that nobody wants to play. The marketing side is big. It's very, very different in mobile, obviously, compared to console. You then still have to make the game, but the first thing is just trying to figure out what the market wants. Whereas when I worked in development, like obviously working with Nintendo and them saying, okay, let's make a Mario soccer game. Well, you already know Mario is popular. You know soccer is popular. And it's their IP, it's their characters. So of course that's gonna be a match or have potential at the end of the day. When you're making your own stuff, your own characters, your own products, your own intellectual property, there's a ton more risk that comes with that. So um, there's a lot of excitement and upside, but it also comes with a lot of risk and you have to figure out ways to make that risk. So it's more of a responsible business side, whereas the development side is just more the creative process. There's a business in, mo in, in both, but you need to worry more about the actual overall business when you're a publisher because every dollar you generate is what fuels the business on the developer development side it's really about making a great game that hits those milestones so you can get paid um, you still have to make a great game on the publisher side but you also have to figure out the type of game you want to make so there's a secondary layer that's there the upside though working in publishing is if you have something that's really successful the, the upside of success from the monetary standpoint point can be ludicrous because that's your game. Also, I'd say it also is a chance to make your own products. And while it was an immense privilege to work on the Nintendo stuff, you know, your dream as a developer is to make your own IP that everybody wants to play and that that's yours. And we've had some successes at Hothead and no one can take that away from us. We created that. That was our, those were our ideas, our products. and. You know, obviously there's still multiple levels to go to hit that sort of threshold of a Mario or a Fortnite or things like that. But when you actually do that, it's yours and nobody can take it away from you. So it's kind of the pinnacle of what you really wanna do. So two different sides. I'd say if you're somebody that, if you just wanna work purely on the creative aspect of making a game, probably work for hired developer is the right place to go. Now there's a lot of indie developers out there and you can self-publish many things. So I'd say it's actually more available these days to be that indie developer and still publish your own thing and try to have success. Um, at the same time, 
there's a ton of opportunity on the publishing side and I quite like the challenge and the rush of it. And I like the fact that when we have success, it's our own success. So I wouldn't have changed how I learned because actually starting at a work for hire developer really taught me a lot about what it takes to make a game. The intrigue I had to go over to EA was to learn about the business side of the business. It was short lived for me, but I still learned a lot in terms of what's there. And it really set me up well for coming to Hothead and being more business minded about the aspects of video game publishing. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of a, of a snippet into the differences between a developer and a publisher. It's very, very different between console and mobile, which I'll get into right after this. Again, my advice to you, if you're somebody that's looking to get into the industry, um, definitely focus on development first. If you're a pure developer is probably a good way to go. But I would say don't turn your back on the business side because it ultimately is becoming more and more part of how we how we work these days. Data, of course, is being something that's bigger. Uh, the, the industry is maturing and gone are the days of garage uh, game development and it is all about numbers and business. So I, I do think there's part of that as well. Um, I've been very fortunate on the path that I've had. And, um, uh, again, I wouldn't have changed the way that I got to this after this short break, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about the differences between working at a console work for hire and sort of the path there and what it takes to make a game timelines, things like that. And the difference between now what I do working for a mobile games publisher that has development capabilities right here on insert coins. So now on to the second half of today's show on the differences between working for a developer, console developer versus working for a mobile games publisher. And of course, there's going to be a lot of differences here between the two because it couldn't be any different. And of course, I've been working in mobile now for the past 10 years and it's been a while since I've worked in console. Not everything has changed in console, but I'm sure there's some differences that I have yet to had a chance to um, uh, to see. But what are some of the main differences between the two? Well, the first thing is time is quite different between the two. In console development, games typically take longer. Early in my career, it was funny. I used to take a step back and go, well, these games take, you know, a year, two years, three years. Um, some of them even longer now these days. And you're getting into sort of film territory in some senses, if not, we're already there. And I used to choke that you could measure your career expectancy by how many games um, you've shipped and how long it takes. And some of the longer console games I worked on were about two years in development. Uh, again, I know some of them are longer now. The longest mobile games, you're talking months. You, you might spend longer working on something and, and, and keeping it running because the difference too between both sides of the console is changing. Console is still looked at as sort of box products, although companies um, they definitely do have these games as a service strategy now where you're providing updates. Probably Grand Theft Auto 5 has been one of the best examples where they actually have made more money now off of running the game as a service than they have selling the box product, which is that's a testament to uh, Rockstar and what they've done there with, with that product and really smart because it's obviously a sandbox playground product and it works well for that. 
but typically you, you make a console box product, you throw it over the wall, you'd ship it and that's it, it's done. And then you move on to the next thing. Whereas in mobile, a lot of the time you spend early in development is trying to get the game to perform well, trying to make sure people stay with your product. Obviously, uh, given that most mobile games are free to play, that uh, your monetization is doing well and people are engaging and generating money for the product because you're giving the game away for free. And while you may work on the initial release for you know months, um, if a game is really successful, like you know some of our games now are going on oh a number of years at Hothead that are still running, uh, and some of the best in the industry, your Supercells with Clash of Clans, um, you know uh, these games have run for a long time. And so this idea of live operations or games as a service means while the initial offering of the game may have taken a much shorter time to build, you're actually are feeding the fire for a long time, keeping the game running um, and getting more players to come in, getting players to stay as long as they possibly can. And so it's a different approach. Um, probably the best example using is where FIFA or sorry, EA, excuse me, will release new releases of their console games year on year. Some of their mobile products is just one SKU that goes on uh, for uh, the test of time. And so that's a major difference. So time and how time is used is very different uh, between the two. Team size then to go along with time is also a lot different. Typically on console, you're talking big, big, big teams. Some of the bigger teams in the industry, probably, you know, 200 plus people, depending on the style of game, your Call of Duties, things that are, you know, super high fidelity, NBA 2K, MLB The Show, God of War, massive teams, big teams, a lot of people work in Grand Theft Auto 5, no exception there as well. Even my time at EA on FIFA, big, big, big team working on the multiple products under that umbrella. Mobile, it's typically smaller, depending on the game, but typically the team sizes are smaller. Uh, the offerings are different. It doesn't mean your teams can't get big, but even a company like Supercell has not run massive, massive teams creating an individual product. And you're also making a game for a different platform and the expectations around what the game is and how it works is also it's a different ask. It's a different creation standpoint. So, um, you know, we've had teams at Hothead as small as three people uh, in recent years creating uh, prototypes and new products. And so, I mean, it just depends on the offering and what's there, but team size between the two is also quite different. Of course, like what I talked about in the first half of the show, how the business runs is very different. So if you're working on a console developer, you're getting paid by a publisher for delivering against milestone expectations. Whereas on the publisher side, you know, we have daily revenue numbers that come in. So how do we do yesterday as a business? No different than how your restaurant will look at what it took in tonight or how a retail store will look at what it took in tonight. And, uh, you know, we can see transactions happening all through the day and see what's been sold in the last two minutes and um, so on and so forth. So it's a, a very different standpoint. You want to know the sales on a given day. Whereas again, on, on the development side, you just say, oh, we had a good day at the office. We're one day closer to delivering this milestone. And if they, the publisher signs off the milestone, we get our payment. Whereas there's an expectation of a, of a portion of revenue being generated every day uh, against a forecast to run a healthy business as a publisher, because you're again, responsible for the development and the publishing of the game. So more so I should say the publishing and if you have developer capabilities, development of the products themselves. So the way the business is run is, is quite different itself. Because most of my time was spent at work for hire developers, another big difference between the two is, whereas we spent time making games based on everybody else's intellectual property in the time that I spent in console, the seven months at EA with FIFA notwithstanding, 
my time at Hothead, everything we've made at Hothead, they're our own ideas. They're our own game concepts, our own intellectual properties. So our Big Win Sports series, which which I worked on with Joel, our Kill Shot series, Hero Hunters, um, Forge Fantasy, a lot of the new games now that we have coming out, including uh, Super Hit Baseball. These are our games. They're our concepts. And of course, the goal being that one of these eventually would just take off and you know reach for the reach for the heavens in terms of its performance but everything we make is ours and so that is one it's exciting it's scary because you're making brand new things but the upside is you're making something that people fall in love with and in mobile obviously you're trying to be like a super seller a king you know who've done you know again the the clash of clans clash royale you know candy crush that's really what you're shooting for trying to trying to have that you can do that on the the console side but obviously console has been around for a lot longer being an independent publisher it's more on the downloadable games on the store and you can have success there so games like super hot and things of that nature that have done quite well but it's a bit tougher on that side because also the install base is is smaller and you're facing a lot of big 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 products to take eyeballs and focus away mobile's a bit more still the wild west and and while it is more you know populated than it was before there's still opportunity there because you're dealing with like 580 million smartphones out there in the world of potential customers that you can go after so publishing more upside more potential more creativity but also more risk and more likelihood of failure whereas typically when you're working for that independent um work for hire developer publishers are going to come to you with properties and game concepts that they know have are going to work in the marketplace either on the history of things working so the Mario sports games that I made or punch out um or the Simpsons games we made at Radical they're natural things that we know are going to have a market and so typically when you work on something there's going to be an audience for that game so that's kind of the difference between the two you can't get royalties on the development side you really have to have really successful products um the bigger upside you'd say from a monetary standpoint is on the publishing side but again it comes with uh, a bit higher risk because you have to generate revenue to keep the company going i would say as well between the two it's interesting the pace of both is very very different both are busy and in console you have to work really hard all the time to hit your milestones to hit things i would say working in mobile because i spent it's funny my first job i worked uh, at little caesar's pizza and it was a really good experience i actually encourage everybody you know when especially if you have kids growing up or things like that having those part-time jobs as a kid was really valuable to me because it gave me some really great work life experience and i like in kind of mobile to working in in a pizza place or a fast food place cuz it's just really quick there's things that happen daily there's constantly things to chase on a daily basis and again the publishing side also factors that in because again we're running a game as a service and we have revenue coming in every day so making sure that the servers work the games are functional that nothing is falling over that if we have uh, tests that we're running in our products that those are working that we're if we're testing out new concepts that those tests have been started as fast as possible to know if there's other potential products that we can chase um ensuring that we have the data coming in every day so we can see what's going on with the performance ensuring that the sales and events schedule that we have planned is is functioning so many little intricate pieces to keep it running and mobile is very much like that because it is sort of lifestyle gaming as i call it these games become part of people's everyday life and i play a lot of console games and console games are part of my everyday life but it's um 
it's a different way of of gaming it's not exactly the same and so the pace of mobile i would say is much more frantic in a positive way than uh console <coughs> excuse me so that's a major difference between the two now, i haven't worked in console for a long time so i'm sure there's constantly things that have changed in that market and uh both are are 24 7 jobs but i will say I think when you go home at the end of the day, when you're doing work for higher console development, you just have to think about the next day. And a major difference when we go home at the end of the night in mobile is there are people that have uh, what we call pager duty, where they have to be aware in case the servers crash at night. Because if the servers crash, people can't play. If people can't play, people can't uh, enjoy the product. If they can't enjoy the product, then the, the odds of them giving us some money becomes less and less. And so. There is a 24-7 nature to running a game as a service, mobile games as a service. I, I do know that that does exist on console because obviously, again, using Grand Theft Auto V is the best example. If their game goes down, people can't spend money um, in their game as a service portion of the product. So it does relate to the two. Um, probably mobile is more common because not every game that's out there on console requires things to be up for microtransactions to happen so it does exist on both but it's a mentality shift it's a different way of thinking about keeping something up and again it's the business side you're running a business as opposed to making a product so that's uh that's quite different between the two again i think that's the part i the part i like because even back when i worked in pizza knowing we had a really good night so i actually went from dishwasher to managing Little Caesars is my first sort of foray, foray, uh, my first job that I had. And when I was actually assistant manager of the place, I loved balancing the books at the end of the night and seeing that we had a really good day and seeing that we, you know, uh, our labor costs were good, our food costs were good, and it was a successful, profitable day. So those portions I really like about mobile. But again, the 24-7 services, when you're sleeping, people on the other side of the earth are playing playing the game so you have to be constantly ensuring you have systems set up so that the the games and the services can run and that people can uh, enjoy the product and, and again more importantly have a chance to give you money when they feel it's time to, to spend and pay you back for the hard work that's gone into the product so hopefully that's given you a bit more insight into differences between what it takes to be a developer what it takes to be a publisher and then a bit more lower level detail on the console development side and the mobile publishing side. And so thanks so much for that show idea. It was fantastic. It was fun to talk about that stuff and share a bit more of the industry stuff. We haven't talked about that for a number of days as we've been a number of episodes as we've been looking at the console wars. But as always, if you have other ideas for the show, you can email me at insertcoinstalk at gmail.com. Always happy to do more shows based on what you people out there want to hear. And if you're looking to get into the industry, hopefully today's show has provided you with a bit of insight over where you might try to get your foot first through the door. And that will bring us to the close of season one of Insert Coins. Thank you to everybody that has stopped by and listened as we've gone through the first 10 episodes of the show. 
This has been awesome so far. I've really been enjoying this a little bit more about my background. I went to university for radio and television broadcasting, and this was something I was kicking around doing. I've dabbled in this stuff before, but definitely have found that combining the time I spent in games with this seems to be a, a really good connection. Again, I still have a lot of passion for video games, so it's something I love to talk about. I want to thank everybody who's subscribed to the show. If you haven't, please do hit that subscribe button or follow button on your favorite podcast site. Love growing the audience and love having all of you guys come back. If you have ideas that you'd like to hear in season two, please email me at insertcoinstalk at gmail.com. Going to take a week off next week. We'll be back early in August for the start of season two. We will kick it off with uh, Joel DeYoung coming on the show. and We'll talk about the trials and tribulations of our time on Big Win Soccer and everything that went right and then everything that went wrong and everything we learned from that experience. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your day. Hope your summer is going fantastic. Take care, stay safe, and until next time, happy gaming, everybody.